on this wonderful cold Sunday. Hallelujah. But the Holy Spirit is going to bring the fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, it's, it's such a privilege and an honor to stand before you in Pastor C.B.'s place uh, today because he's getting rest that he's so deserving of. Amen. Hallelujah. But we thank, can we thank God for Pastor C.B. And, and First Lady Chanel for their tireless labor of love to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today I have a very simple and practical teaching. Okay. So I, I brought my, my teacher's mantle, but, but if, you, if you shout me down today, I, I, I just might bring my preach out. Uh, are, are you with me? Listen. Amen. But turn your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. 2 Peter is in the New Testament right after 1 Peter. Doodoosh. Amen. If you're in Revelation, you went way too far. If you're in the maps and concordances, I need you to just stop where you are. <laughs> Go all the way back to 1 Peter, then go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. When you got it, say, I got it. it. Hallelujah. And our passage of scripture reads as follows. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life. Somebody say life. Life. And godliness. Somebody say godliness. Through the knowledge of him, who called us to his own glory. Somebody say glory Glory. and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The title of my message today is that you have everything you need. Hallelujah. Somebody say you have everything you need. Hallelujah. Bow your head with me and let us pray. Father, we thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. And Father, I pray that through this message that you will clearly persuade us that this is of truth. Father, I ask that you speak through these lips of clay. And I ask, Father, you will go before me and make your message known with power and with clarity. And, Father, give us the grace to apply this word so that we bear the fruit that you desire from our lives. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. 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 So, again, the title of this message is that you have everything you need. See, Second Peter was written around 66 AD, not too long before his martyrdom. See, it was Peter's second letter to various churches in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. His appeal was occasioned by the urgency of his imminent death to address the heresy that had arisen in the church about not expecting the promise of Jesus' second coming. This heresy of Jesus not coming back was created because Jesus hadn't returned already. 
So how many of you know that the first century church believed that Jesus' second coming would occur during their lifetime? Uh, sounds a lot like the present church today, right? Amen. We, we will make these assumptions that Jesus is coming tomorrow. So we urge you to repent and you will be saved. But Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 26, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor, nor the son, but the father only. But don't worry, my message is not about the end times today. <laughs> Amen. So you, can, so you can take some time, stop cringing, and breathe. <laughs> Amen. Every time I hear a message about the end times, I want to get saved all over again. <laughs> Listen, if your children get out of control, you don't have to get them involved into a scare straight program. All you have to do is sit them down and have them read the book of Revelation. <laughs> that would get them right. <laughs> Come on, somebody. See, the people that affirmed the heresy of no second coming figured no return, then no future judgment, so we might as well turn up. Are y'all with me? See, these false teachers thought it was acceptable to live immorally since Jesus failed to deliver on his promises of his second return. Uh, see, I find it quite interesting how the human logic works. See, we justify our reason for walking, for walking away from God because we assume he failed to deliver on his promises. Am I in the right room today? See, therefore, Peter instructs the church how to resist the temptation of clinging to this false teaching that urges them to fall away from God. See, Peter gives the church knowledge about the immense treasures they have in Christ to prevent them from forfeiting it all for worthless teaching. See, our verses today are presented as the foundation of Peter's opening discussion regarding the Christian life. Before addressing the false teachers in chapter 2 and why their teaching is false in chapter 3, Peter reminds his audience of the invaluable gifts that all believers have been given by and through Jesus Christ. See, I believe we all have reckoned with the question of what has been given to us because of salvation. See, see we ask ourselves, is a relationship with Jesus truly better than living in sin? Are y'all with me right now? Do I have some real people in the church today uh, that, that have dealt with this question? See, the reality is until we thoroughly and firmly address these questions through the lens of the Holy Spirit, we will be subject to falling in and out of relationship with Jesus. See, we must understand that salvation provided by Jesus is more comprehensive than just being saved from the consequence of sin. Uh, I'm teaching way better than y'all saying amen in this place. See, if, if I'm honest with you, if salvation only saved me from the consequence of sin, then that wouldn't be enough for me. See, while I am waiting for my appointment at the pearly gates, I have the urge to exert all my energy and time to strive for success and struggle to overcome addiction, brokenness, emptiness, anxiety, 
inadequacy and depression and love. See, I must know if a relationship with Jesus is enough for me. See, how, how many of you know that Jesus is El Shaddai? He, he is the God that is more than enough. See, I am certain that the churches Peter is addressing in this letter had the same questions. See, Jesus has unequivocally given us everything we need with no exceptions. I'm going to say that again. Jesus has unequivocally given us everything we need with with no exceptions. See, for some, it is difficult to reconcile with this truth. See, you think that you don't have everything you need because you don't have the spouse you desire, the career you desire, the net worth you desire, the car and the house you desire. However, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 is a statement of fact that transcends our natural desires. I need everyone right now in this room to lift your right hand up, put it over your heart, and declare that in God, through Jesus Christ, has given me everything I need. And say amen. amen. Hallelujah. See, Peter's revelation of the remarkable treasures that Jesus gives is of greater worth than our natural desires because underneath our anatomy lies a gaping hole in our souls that can only be filled by Jesus. See, therefore, Peter's teaching in these two verses is an invitation to understanding and experiencing wholeness in Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me right now? I want y'all to do something right now. I want us to lift our hands. And I want us to pray. reason why in the middle of my message, I want us to lift our hands and pray, because I can sense the brokenness and the hurt in this room that is repelling you receiving this truth. And if you are ready to relinquish it, I want, I want us to repeat after me, Jesus, I give you my hurt. I give you my brokenness. I give you my cares and my worries that I carried throughout my life, even this week, even at the very moment I stepped into this service. Father, I relinquish it to you, and I receive everything you have in store for me. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Peter tells the church, that you have everything you need. So the resounding question that many of us have is answered in these two verses of what we have been given from Jesus. Firstly, Peter tells us that you have life and godliness. Somebody say, I have life and godliness. See, verse 3 says, his divine power has granted to us. Before I go even further, I have to lay a foundation of what this word granted means. Because this word granted in the Greek is interchangeable with the word grace. Therefore, 
Peter was telling us that his divine power has granted to us freely everything that we need that pertain to life and godliness with no conditions and with no stipulations. Are y'all with me right now? See, the main emphasis of this line is to state that Christ has used his divine power to give all things to us. By stating that all things have been given, Peter states that nothing of Jesus' power has been withheld from us. Oh, that's a good place to thank God right there. That nothing of Jesus' power has been withheld from us. So this unrestricted power was given specifically for life and godliness. So what is this life that Peter was talking about here? When Peter speaks of life in this scripture, he is referring to the essence of Jesus' life is given to the believer the moment you come into relationship with him. And this new life carries on into eternity. See, you have the life of the risen Lord and Savior dwelling within you. That's what your Bible says. See, Jesus walked the earth complete and secure in the Father's love. He didn't worry about anything because he knew the Father would take care of him. And you ought to walk throughout life knowing that you are secured in the Father's love and that he will take care of you. Are y'all with me in the room right now? Now, the evidence of Jesus' life dwelling within you is his attributes glaringly manifesting in your lifestyle. In other words, the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in your life, which is love, joy, come on, if you know him, say it with me, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is a sure sign that you got Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say congratulations. You have Jesus. See, these attributes being operational in your life is the quintessence of experiencing John 10 and 10. Jesus said that I came that you may have life and have it halfway. No, 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 no that's not what your Bible says. Jesus said that I came that you may have life and have it what? More abundantly. See, your life will be full when you have the Holy Spirit enabling you to have love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control actively at work in your life. Hallelujah. Y'all with me today? Somebody say, I have life. Moreover, Jesus has given us godliness, according to Peter. See, by adding godliness... Peter uses a term that literally means well-pleasing. See, this term became almost exclusively used in a religious context with the idea that one's conduct and convictions were pleasing to the gods they served. However, in the context of Jesus' power that gives godliness, it means that God is well-pleased with you because of what Jesus accomplished. Are y'all with me right now? See, when the Father sees you, he sees Christ. Hallelujah. That's the reason to praise God right there. 
When the Father sees you, he sees Christ. And just as the Father declared to Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, he looks at you and provides the same affirmation. He says, this is my son or daughter that I am well pleased. See, I don't know what affirmations that you are speaking over your life, but you ought to say to yourself that because of Jesus, the Father is well pleased with me. Are you with me? Because of Jesus, you are not striving to be pleasing to God. God is already pleased with you. Are you with me? See, somebody needs to shift their mindset from striving to be pleasing and embracing who they are to God, which is already pleasing to him. Uh, can I prove it to you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says that, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. See, this truth affirms operating in faith rather than works. See, you must place your faith in Jesus that you are pleasing to God and not depending on your works to please God. Uh, see, we don't obey him to earn the Father's stamp of approval. Because of Christ, he already approved you. See, our obedience is predicated on who we are already in Christ instead of who we are striving to be. Uh, I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen in this place. See, look at your neighbor and say, God is pleased with you. Now, I see the way you said it. I, I, don't, I don't think that you believe that. So look at your other neighbor. Your other neighbor might believe it and say, because of Christ, God is pleased with you. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Secondly, Peter reveals that we have his glory and his excellence. Let's take a moment here to talk about this glory because this is a lot to unpack here. See, the glory of God is his essence. The true glory of man is the ideal condition in which God created man in the book of Genesis. See, God deposited his essence in Adam and Eve, making them his image bearers. See, that condition was lost in the fall of Genesis chapter 3. However, I thank God that our condition was restored through Jesus Christ. Therefore, believers are granted the access to experience glory in this present time by being blessed with the privilege of bearing God's image and likeness. See, you have his essence dwelling within you. See, your confidence should reflect this essence regardless of where you find yourself in life or in your walk with God, regardless of if you have a car or ride the Richard T. Davis. See, regardless of whether you have a house or a studio, you should know that you are in the image of the king of the universe who created the earth and hung it on nothing. See, you might think that you don't reflect his image and likeness because of what you did last night. But you ought to know that God doesn't see you as dirty. He sees glory because of what Jesus accomplished. See, another aspect of his glory 
that Jesus generously shares with us is the future hope of our bodies being fully transformed when Jesus returns. See, we will no longer have a body that is subject to sinful nature. See, several scriptures speak of this future hope. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 57, and 1 John chapter 3 and 2, which I'll read because it is the shortest passage. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. But take that home, read it. I mean, they're good. Romans 8, 8, chapter 8 through 18, 25 is good. 1 Corinthians 15 through verses 51 to 57 is all good. But here we go. 1 John 3 and 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. You are God's child now. Not when you go to heaven. Not when Jesus returns. Your identity is a child of God now. Regardless of what the circumstance is presented in your life, you are God's child now. That is your identity. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. John here, he's speaking about Pastor C.B. Priestess couple of weeks ago, he's speaking about the transfiguration where he's seen Jesus in his glory, in his glorified image. And John said, hey, you're going you're to see him as he is, just like I saw him. Come on, somebody. See, how many of you are excited about this future hope of being fully transformed? Because the reality is that when you're fully transformed, you will no longer be subject to this body of sin. Amen. Also, when Peter speaks of his glory here in this scripture, he speaks of a manifestation of God's presence. More than, more than his manifestation of his presence, we have unlimited access to his presence. See, if anyone has, has had a taste of God's manifested presence, you will know that that is the game changer in your Christian life. See, that changed. When I experienced God's presence when I was 18 and gave my life to God, that changed everything for me. I dropped down everything. Now, I'm being very vague here because my mom is going to be listening to this message, and I can't go into detail about those things that I dropped. I'm still afraid of my mama. (laughs) And if you don't know, Mama Rosa, that's my actual mother. Amen. So you got to use your imagination about those things. All right, Ask God for a word of knowledge about those things. Amen. He will show you because he did it. (laughs) The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, that in his presence there was fullness of joy and that his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if you have yet to experience God's presence, what God is saying at this moment, you need to dig a little deeper in intimacy with him because reality is once you experience his presence, that will change everything in your life. Because you will, you, will you will continue to want to be in his presence, to abide in his presence. Because the Bible tells us that he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Once you experience his presence, the manifested presence of God, you're going to put down that marijuana. You're going to put down that bottle. You're going to be delivered from premarital, pre-premarital sex. Are you with me right now? 
in his presence, there was fullness of joy. In addition to receiving Jesus' glory, Peter tells us that we have received Jesus' excellence. See, this means that we have received Jesus' moral excellence. Meaning that Jesus, somebody say, make that plain. See, Jesus has supernaturally given us the attitude and the ability to submit to his will. See, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 speaks to this. It says, it is God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. See, your desire and posture to obey God is evidence that you have Jesus' moral excellence operational in your life. Somebody say, I have his glory and his excellence. Amen. Thirdly, Peter tells us that we have received his promises. See, Peter mentions that Jesus has granted to us his precious and very great promises. See, to us, these promises are unquantifiable. We can't place a value upon them. However, Peter mentions that they are precious to us. There are no other promises that can compare to the promises that come from Jesus. Not even the promises that you get from your boo thing can't even compare. Amen. For my, for my seasoned saints, uh, boo thing, what that means, it's, it's a modern-day colloquialism for a significant other. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. See, people in our lives will make promises to us and fail to deliver. However, God guarantees his promises because he is not a man that he shall lie. Are y'all with me? See, these promises that Jesus gives are essential to helping us overcoming some of life's greatest challenges. Are y'all with me right now? See, I'm going to read some of my favorite promises from God's word. Just, just holler at your boy if they bless you, all right? See, if you, if you have abandonment issues, here is a promise for you. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8, he will never leave you or forsake you. If you struggle with rejection, here's a promise for you. John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. If you're struggling with overcoming temptation, here is the promise about God helping you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Are you with me? If you struggle with anxiety, here's a promise of peace. John chapter 14, verse 26. Peace I leave you with. The peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Let, no, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you're tired of striving, here is a promise of rest in Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. 
Come to me. Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. If you struggle with guilt and shame, here's a promise for you. I feel like I'm Oprah right now. Here's a promise for you. Here's a promise for you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're searching for love, hopping from one relationship to another, here's a promise of God's everlasting love. Psalm 136, verse Verses 26, his steadfast love endures forever. Hallelujah. Do I have anyone that is thankful for God's promises? We ought to lift up a praise for God's promises. We ought to worship him for his promises because he will never fail you. He will never leave you. God will make good on delivering his promises. Hallelujah. Lastly, Peter tells us, that you have his divine nature. See, having his divine nature in this scripture by no means affirms the doctrine of us being little gods. Listen, church, that teaching is 100% heresy. See, we are not deified by Jesus sharing his divine nature with us. Rather, this generous act gives us sufficiency in him and the power to overcome the world system that is designed to oppose our obedience to him. Are you with me right now? And I have to make this plain because the Greek word for world is cosmos. And what's interesting about the Greek word for world, which is cosmos, it is a world system that is solely, get, hear this, it is solely designed to impede your progress in your relationship with God. It is designed to keep you away from God. And, and hear this. The opposition that comes from the world system, it comes with military force. But what's interesting, when you translate this word world into the Greek word cosmos, the military force that the world system is bringing to hinder your progress in your relationship with God, it doesn't show up in army fatigue and an assault rifle. The world system to impede your relationship with God comes in the form of beautiful and eloquent philosophies that teach you that Jesus isn't enough. That teaches you that you don't need Jesus. That is a method to keep you from being in a relationship with God. Are you with me? But Jesus given his given us his divine nature. This is the same nature that empowered Jesus to endure temptation. The cross, overcome death, hell, and the grave. Therefore, verse 4c states that his divine nature provided an escape from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
See, this escape refers to a successful flight away from the effects of sin in this present time and in the future of Jesus Christ's return. Jesus has given us the ability to have victory over the sins that so easily beset us. See, regardless of how long you have wrestled with it, you, through his divine nature, have the power to conquer it. Amen. I expected another shout from there. When I was in the Pentecostal church, they would have been, they started bucking them. They would have got the, I'm going to say that again just in case that went over your head. Regardless of how long you have wrestled with it, you, through his divine nature, have the power to conquer that sin. You must believe and receive what he has already given you to overcome it. Amen. See, just in case you were distracted while I was preaching because I'm wearing skinny jeans. (laughs) We're going to do a quick recap of what Jesus Christ has given us according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Peter tells us he's given us all things for life and godliness. Somebody say life, life. and godliness. Life. Access to his glory. Somebody say glory, glory. and excellence. excellence. Great and precious promises participation in his divine nature, we need not to strive for it, simply receive what he has granted through a continual abiding relationship with Jesus. Because without a shadow of doubt, you have everything you need. See, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, is a rich an eloquent summation of Jesus' mission from start to finish. He is clearly, Peter is clearly showing us that we do not lack anything as children of the Most High God. I'm going to say that again. Peter is clearly showing us that we do not lack anything as children of the Most High God. How many of you actually believe that? You don't lack anything because you have received everything that you need as a child of the Most High God. Everything you need. So you, might, you still might be thinking, well, yeah, but, but I still don't have that spouse. And yeah, I still don't have that house. I still don't have that career that I'm striving for. What you have, under, what you have to understand, those natural desires, hear this, those natural desires are a cover-up of the void that you really have inside of your soul. Even though we are in this body of clay, we are spiritual beings. And your void can only be spiritually filled. And the source that fills that void is Jesus Christ. And until you come in, come in complete relationship with him, you will continue to jump from one relationship to another. The marijuana won't be enough. The alcohol won't be enough. The pornography won't be enough. Are you with me right now? 
See, sometimes I feel inadequate. Even as a pastor, I feel inadequate. But those times are a sign to me that I need to remind myself of what I have in Christ and that I need to grow my intimacy with him. See, more than anything, the Father's desire for you today is to stop striving for fulfillment because he strives for you to have the satisfaction that you are desperately searching for in life. Are you with me right now? See, today, Jesus is beckoning you. He's calling you to receive in his fullness what he had bled on Calvary for you to have. Just think about that for a moment. Think about that for a moment. Jesus knew how critical it was for you to have his divine nature. How critical for you to have life and godliness. Because he created you. I don't care what you have read in USA Today. Or was it US News Today? What is the name of that magazine? Somebody help me right now. It doesn't matter what you learn in school, regardless if you have a PhD where it proves that we came from an organic bowl of soup. <laughs> I'm being facetious because what they were teaching in school, even teaching our children, is that we evolved from a primordial pile of goop basically, which is, that takes more faith to believe in that, to believe that God took you from the dust of the ground. See, rappers talk about it a lot, but God is the only one that really got it out the mud. And he breathed his essence into man, life into them. And we were created in his image and his likeness. But the fall occurred in Genesis chapter 3, which at one point undid what God had created, but really didn't. Because when you read in Revelation, it says that the lamb was slain even before the foundations of this earth. We're not going to go into that. My point here is that God once dwelled in that gaping hole inside of your heart. And with, apart from him, that gaping hole would never be filled. And I'm poetically describing it as a gaping hole because God's spirit dwelled there. And we try to fill it with things that will never satisfy us. So we've, we describe this entryway here, that's the hole in your soul. And if I had something, I'll throw it through it. I would have been praying if I had a ball. Okay, Pastor Steve, you need to help me with my props next time. Listen, if I had a ball, I would throw it right through the entrance and that ball would not fill that void. And that's what we do. We take a ball 
which are relationships, drugs, alcohol, and we throw it through a gaping hole, size of its entrance, and it never fills it. Because only God can fill that gaping hole. But Jesus is beckoning you today. He's giving an invitation for you today to just simply receive what I have given to you. Just, you have to just receive it. Yeah, yeah, I know you're broken, but I can mend your brokenness. I, I know you're hurt, but I can heal that hurt. Just receive what I died for and resurrected for you to have for all eternity. Let us pray. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you again that through Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. Father, some of us are striving for a relationship, for love, for fulfillment, for riches. It's all fleeting because you're the only one that can fill our void. So, Father, instead of repelling your love, today we receive your love. We receive your love. We thank you that you will keep us in your love. With your head still bowed, if this message was timely and riveting for you, and you've been in a place where you've been striving for fulfillment, instead of embracing what Jesus has in store for you, I want you to raise your hand. Hallelujah. I want to pray with you today. If you will re repeat after me, Father, I receive everything that has been given to me through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of striving. You promised me rest. So, Father, I enter into your rest. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive your love, the love that was demonstrated when you died on the cross and was resurrected from the, from the grave. Father, I give you all my cares and all of my worries. And I thank you for giving me the grace to continue to overcome those worries and those cares. I cast them upon you. They are yours. And when I walk out this door, I will not pick them up again. Because you are able, you are sufficient, and I just receive 
what you have given me. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I have everything I need. Hallelujah. Would you stand with us and worship?